This is AmateurLogic.tv, episode 65 for April 15th, 2014. True Grits. This episode of AmateurLogic.tv is brought to you by Gigaparts.com. Between now and May 31st of 2014, use the promo code ALTV at checkout to receive $10 off your order of an LDG tuner. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM, with the next level of innovation and mobility at your fingertips. Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 65. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. And it's good to be back with you. we got a fun show lined up tonight. Boy, what a lot of what a lot of work, Tommy. Yeah, we were already having fun. We were, and, and we're just yeah. now actually starting. But um, what's been going on down there, Peter? Uh, well, I've been building and using a metal detector and uh, just uh, otherwise keeping busy. What about yourselves? Yeah, what about you, Tommy? Well, I've been uh, playing around with some uh, portable operation stuff, some uh, solar panel battery power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> stuff yeah, like that. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, and I've been playing around with some stuff, too. <laughs> Actually, uh, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about DX clusters tonight. It's... Uh, uh, Probably most of you know what they are already, but we've got a lot of new folks that are, you know, watching the show now and want to know how to find those DX stations, and we're going to show you how to do that. But right now, we want to bring in a special guest that we're going to have tonight, and that's our pal K7AGE, uh, Randy, from K7AGE fame. Hi, Randy. Hi, everybody. Hey, Randy. Hi, Randy. What's been going on out in California, much? Oh, well, I put a couple of videos up this week, so I've been busy with that and cut the grass this morning, and everything's growing like crazy out here. So got some more projects that I'm working on and, uh, you know, trying to keep busy being radioactive. I understand that. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us tonight, and we're going to get back with you here in just a little bit. and. Okay. Uh, and get a full update on on just what you've been up to. We've got a chat room. So if you're watching live, go to amateurlogic.tv slash chat and join us on the chat room. And if I can ever get the CAPTCHA typed in again, I'll be there with you too. But Tommy and Peter and I think Randy are watching. And there were a lot of folks in there a while ago. Uh, So that's a lot of fun. If you're watching the replay, sorry, the... uh, chat room probably won't be anybody but you but it'll be there (laughs) it'll be there it'll be there and uh, let's see we actually had one guy that hung out in there for about two weeks after the show we did yeah Uh, was he talking to himself 
<laughs> no, I think he was expecting some other activity, but unfortunately, it's not very active uh, unless we happen to be shooting. So, yeah, just keep that in maybe, mind. Maybe maybe it was a maybe it was a chat room bot with AI, artificial intelligence. Ah, it could be. Imagine that intelligence. Yeah, it's got to be artificial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or amateur intelligence, yeah. like you know, we try to have going here. <laughs> uh, well, some exciting things have been going on uh, on Ham Nation a couple of weeks ago. We had my old pal Joe Walsh drop in and uh, pay us a visit, and uh, mm-hmm. you know it's it's good to see Joe. Uh, he he doesn't make it to the show that often, but every now and again he can make it there, and we're always proud to have him whenever he can be in there. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he he's busy, man. He's uh, Eagles are touring again, and he's hard to catch up with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I say he's my old friend Joe. I feel like it because I've been listening to his music all my life. But Yeah. Um, yeah that makes oh, you yeah. all pretty much like yeah. that, right? We've, we've talked yeah. on uh, international internet television twice now, I think. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. It, you, know, you know what I like about Joe, though? Even though he's obviously an accomplished musician and uh, very, very talented. He's the real deal when it comes to uh, being an amateur radio operator. You can see he's really passionate about it. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, he's he's yeah. really into it. And to hear him and Bob tell some of their stories or their escapades uh, <laughs> back in the day, uh, they've done, uh, it would probably have been like watching AmateurLogic.tv for a lot of that stuff, yeah. I think. Yeah, we, we've had a few escapades. We have. We have. That's We're uh, actually on one now. <laughs> we actually are. <laughs> well, without any um, further ado, let's get on to the emails here. We don't have many tonight, but Peter, I know you've got one there that's uh, we'd like to... Okay, shall I kick off then, George? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I've got a, an email here from Nigel. He says, I'm British. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that, Nigel. No, just joking. <laughs> uh, with USA call uh, Kilo Golf Zero Papa Lima. And my uh, UK call is uh, Golf Zero Mike Echo Juliet. Last week I watched your Vegemite or Die show. You Yanks don't know the difference between crumpets and English muffins. Uh, he's provided us with a URL uh, for the recipe for British crumpets. I'm sure in post-editing you'll put that up there, George. And he also mentions we've got a similar product called Marmite here in the UK. Yeah, I've tried that. Very, very similar to... Uh, uh, what is it, uh, to Vegemite. Thanks so much, uh, Nigel. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Nigel. Uh, we did actually look up that recipe, and they look tasty, Tommy, better than Vegemite, I think. Yeah. 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 Kind of looked like an English muffin. Kind of did. Sort of. Kind of did with holes What's in it. What's that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy's showing something on his screen, the big squeeze. That Vegemite there, uh, big squeeze. What is it? Can you make it out? Yeast extract. Oh, Okay. Never, uh, I wonder if that's like Vegemite. Ah, good question. It looks like it. Is, it. is it like it's Vegemite? It's a Marmite. Oh, it is um, Marmite. Oh, I notice he's got the okay. gloves on. Yes. My wife's British, so we have some of this in the house, but, you know, you see how I'm holding it. You don't want you know, getting any of this on you. <laughs> well, if, she, if your wife is British, there must be lots of cheese there, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Because uh, British love cheese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southerners love cheese, too. But what have you got on your email stack over there, Tom? Yeah. I've got one from Gary, KG7EWE. 
And he says he watched Amateur Logic on his Roku. He saw um, episode 64 where I showed the uh, Arduino display, the heads-up yeah. display. And he wanted to know how he could see the code. I mentioned that you could have the code uh, in the show notes. And I actually failed to put that on there. I apologize. But if you were looking for that, go to the show notes on the wiki at amateurlogic.tv forward slash wiki and look at episode 64 and you'll find that on there now. Yeah, good deal. Uh, I've got one here that uh, is also kind of related to a previous episode. You know, um, I did the Raspberry Pi Echolink node here mm-hmm. a while back, and we were kind of playing that before the show tonight, a, a little bit of that. And I uh, I got an email here from Kristoff, uh, and <laughs> he says, Hi, George. Uh, I was pointed to your show and especially the fragments on Echo Link on the Raspberry Pi by Dutchham. Because you seem to use my webpage on Echo Link on the Raspberry Pi for it, I must say I'm pretty positively surprised by this. While doing the link box on Pi Project uh, on that particular webpage, he said he hadn't received much feedback about it. And uh, so he kind of put it on the side. Well, um, He's glad to see that some people are using it now, and, and we had a, actually a long email correspondence there. We talked about a lot of different things, yeah. and uh, he, he's got some other interesting stuff going on that we might be looking at in the future. Yeah, cool. Um, but uh, let's just talk about one other thing here. Um, <laughs> y- you know, we get a lot of posts on Facebook and on Google Plus and around, yeah. and uh, People are always digging up stuff out of our history that, uh, you know. And where do they where do they find this stuff? Uh, good question, and uh, not not really sure. What's that? The amateur logic <laughs> technical crew preparing for the next webisode. Yeah, that's pretty much what it looked like here yeah. about twenty minutes ago. Yeah, a lot of good comments on there. <laughs> did, did, did anyone strike your fancy oh, there, Oh, yeah, Tommy? there's a couple of them in particular. But I, lo- I love the one where Ernie said, is that a human hand on the lower right side? And then actually your comment, actually I actually laughed out loud on that one, said, no, that's Tommy's foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was good. What about you, Peter? Any uh <laughs> Not read this. This is the first time I've seen this particular post, but uh, uh, looks quite hilarious, though. Yeah, uh, the one I liked here came from Brian. He said, "Ham radio, so simple a monkey can do it." <laughs> Trying to get that rig going there. And that's not actually me and Tommy. We called in our assistants <laughs> to to kind of knock that project on out. We had to get the experts in. Uh, we did, and. You know, you you got to do what you got to do sometimes, and uh, they didn't get it going either, so I don't <laughs> feel bad about it. Uh, not just monkeys. We've been having some other animal problems around here, too. And, Tommy, I know that you'll remember this particular problem right here, if I can get the switching going right. Oh, yeah, my squirrel issue. The squirrel issue. Did you have a, a comment on there that uh, you thought was oh yeah yeah you know they uh, asked about titles for the picture mm-hmm. but then but Ronnie actually said it gives him an idea about a box of rice checks a cheap RC car and some M80s and uh, detonate them with a cheap Arduino and a micro switch so you could send that in sort of as a drone and maybe I could cure my squirrel issue maybe you could that might just do it yeah 
I, I left a comment on there myself. You know, they were wanting captions for this, and so I said, giant killer squirrel looking for rope gnaws the bed off Tommy's truck. <laughs> They'll probably get to that next. Yeah. <laughs> you got to know I'm not exaggerating. When we were going to Huntsville and George came by to pick me up, he actually witnessed the squirrels with the rope I on did. my tree. I did. The, the squirrels actually... The, the rope came down the tree and it was hanging there and I saw a squirrel there and I swear the end of that rope was just frayed as it could be. So, so yeah, he's he's telling the truth about that. Yeah. And uh, Peter, I noticed a scratch on your face there. What's oh, a couple of scratches? Unfortunately, I've warned you people about dangerous animals and unfortunately I was subject to an attack uh, during the week um, whilst I was out testing my metal detector. So. Uh, maybe you'd like to roll some video there. Uh, 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 fortunately, I had my camera going at the time. So, you want to roll some video there, uh, George? <laughs> Peter, was was that a drop bear? I think it might have been. Uh, the uh, the ranger came and took it away. Unfortunately, <laughs> they're a pr- protected species, so I couldn't kill it. But I managed to subdue it, tie it up, and uh, he's taken away to some nearby national park. But uh, unfortunately, I'd run out of Vegemite. And, you know, if you don't put the Vegemite behind the ears when you go out, um, you know, that's what can happen. You know, they looked friendly enough, didn't they, Tom? Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they look suspiciously like big, soft toy bears, but don't be fooled. They're actually quite vicious. Yeah, yeah, he really beat up on you there. (laughs) Well, let's get on into a little bit of video here. You know, um, I mentioned a moment ago that I did a little research for uh, DGAX clusters there just to show some of the new hams what they were about. Let's say you're a new ham or you just upgraded to HF, and you're wanting to know how can you find the DX stations, and when you do, how do you know where they are? Well, here's the answer. You can use a DX cluster, which were originally called packet clusters. According to Wikipedia, a packet cluster system allows radio operators or shortwave listeners to spot transmitting stations by submitting their call sign and frequency of operation to a computer system which redistributes the information to all other users connected on the system. The term packet cluster is derived from the use of AX.25 packet radio as the original connection mode to the computer system. However, today, connections are commonly made by Telnet over the Internet. Packet clusters are designed to help radio operators share information so that other stations can find transmitting stations that might be of interest to them. The original packet cluster systems were deployed by members of the Yankee Clipper Contest Club to help their fellow club members improve their contest scores. Packet clusters are not without controversies, and there are two main controversial aspects. Self-spotting is where a competing station sends a spot advertisement of its own operation on the air. Almost all contest sponsors explicitly prohibit this activity in their contest rules, so finding stations that self-spot in a blatant manner is uncommon. Most stations that engage in self-spotting do so by hiding or masquerading their identity as the source of the spot. Another controversial use of the cluster system is known as cheerleading. 
A cheerleader is used in the context of a station that uses the cluster system to spot one particular other station for the purpose of promoting that station's contest operation and improving its score. Cheerleading is most evident when several cheerleaders promote a single station. Now, we've talked about contesting, but that's not the only use of the DX clusters. You might want to use them just to find some spots to work some DX stations with. They're also quite helpful when you're trying to locate de-expedition stations. Probably one of the best-known DX cluster sites is DX Summit. There's a lot of information you can gain here. Let's just look at it. I wish that they had a listing across the top here of what each column was, but the first column is the person that is reporting the spot. The second column is the frequency that the station was heard on. The third column is the call sign of the station that was heard. The fourth column is a message that was posted along with the spot. The next column is the time in universal time coordinated when the spot was reported, and then the date, and then the country. So if we look here, we can see that IW8RQA reported hearing W1AW-4 on 28.410 megahertz at 1843 today, and W1AW is in the United States. Now, this right here is just a listing of all the spots that are coming in. Let's say that we were interested in spots on the band we were currently tuned to. We can go to band spots and then just choose that band. I'll choose 20 meters here. 14 megahertz and here we can see the spots that have been reported recently for that now this is being reloaded every three minutes so we know we're getting the most current spots so now i could go over to my hf radio and i could tune in one of these frequencies here let's just say 14.070.9 and i could listen for j400 eg which is running BPSK31 mode. The operator is Christos, and he's in Greece. There's other information you're likely to find on here, like right here, 14262EI3HDB is reporting hearing crazy, which is not a call sign, 12 kilohertz wide splatter. And he's saying that uh, that's in Portugal. I don't know if that's correct or not. Here's another spot right here made by W700 on 14.040 MHz. He's hearing R80KEDR, and he's saying QSX14041. What that means, he's listening on this frequency right here that the spot's reported on, but if you want to talk back to that station, R80KEDR is actually listening on 14. 041. And he's in European Russia. DX Summit is not the only place that you can get a DX cluster. There's a lot of them. Just type DX cluster into Google and you'll come up with quite a list there. Some of these share data with each other. There's even programs that attach to the DX clusters like CW Skimmer or Ham Radio Deluxe that'll give you cluster spottings right in your software. As far as posting to the cluster, those can be done on some of the websites themselves or through your client software like Ham Radio Deluxe. So I hope this gives you a little idea of how to find those DX stations.
Of course, you could always just spin the knob on your radio and look for them yourself. I generally uh, use Ham Radio Deluxe when I'm doing that because in there, I can just go to a line with somebody spotted and just hit the button and, you know, be right on the spot there. Change my radio and everything. Yeah, that's so. a nice feature. I love that. It really is. LDG Electronics pioneered the automatic wide-range switched L-Tuner in 1995. The LDG AT100 Pro 2 provides fully and semi-automatic antenna tuning across the entire HF spectrum plus 6 meters at power levels up to 125 watts. It will tune dipoles, verticals, jaggies, or virtually any coax-fed antenna, and it'll match an amazing range of antennas and impedances far greater than some tuners you may have considered, including the built-in tuners in many transceivers. It features a two-position antenna switch allowing you to switch instantly between between two antennas and an LED indicator for antenna selection and one to indicate when in bypass. It requires just one watt for operation but will handle up to 125 watts, making it suitable for everything from QRP to a typical 100-watt transceiver. 2,000 memories for each antenna automatically store configurations for each frequency or you can choose to tune from scratch. Rugged and easy-to-read LED bar graphs show power and SWR. You won't find a better auto-tuner in this class, so why not call or visit Gigaparts today and ask for the LDG AT100 Pro 2. Gigaparts is the largest independent amateur radio dealer in the nation. Everything you need for ham radio, including books, DVDs, antennas, rope, coax, and tuners. Gigaparts has it all and is open Monday through Saturday. Call us toll-free at 866-535-4442. And our friendly staff will be happy to help you find the right products for nearly any project and budget. Online shopping made easy with real-time pricing and availability. And free shipping on most orders. Go to gigaparts.com and enter to win a free radio. Have a question? Click on live chat for a quick answer. Low prices? Huge selection. America's favorite ham radio store is Gigaparts. They've got a great deal for you on those LDG tuners. Now through May 31st of 2014, you can use the promo code ALTV when you shop at Gigaparts for a new LDG tuner, and they're going to give you $10 off. So that's quite a deal. And, Tommy, that was a really nice-looking tuner there. I had never seen that particular one before. but uh, Yeah, it's nice. I was actually just checking it out when I first came in. I'll look at it a little closer before I leave today. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Well, you know... I think it's about time that we bring in our special guest star for tonight. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen of YouTube fame, I bring to you Randy Hall, K7AGE. Good evening, Randy. Hi, guys. How's it going? It's a great show. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Hi, there. Hi, Peter. We're definitely having fun, even though we hit a few bumps in the road. (laughs) (laughs) We have a little chat off camera with Randy just beforehand, and... uh, yeah, he's uh, uh, really good to chat with, and uh, uh, we, we just love his videos. Thank you. Well, Randy, how long have we known each other? We've we've hung around a little bit before, haven't we? Well, yeah, we met at, uh, what, it'd be three summers ago down at the Twitch studio, and it may have been that same year that you and I met up at NAB. It was uh, 2012, I think, and, uh, yeah, but we've been following each other, I think, watching each other's uh, postings and 
stuff for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, I'm coming up to seven or eight years that I've been posting videos up on YouTube. So, well, yeah, that's about the same length of time we've yeah. we've been yeah. around too. Yeah. Were you going to mm-hmm. ask him something? Tom? Yeah, I was going to say we also bumped into you out at uh, Dayton last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was out there last year and hung around and saw you guys over there uh, by Bob's booth and such. So, yeah, we out there at WLW. We were tripping over yeah. each other while we're, <laughs> you know, with our cameras and stuff. So that was that was a good night, too. Yeah. That's a really neat system, really, really neat old transmitter there. Yeah, you beat us to the punch on that one. We got the VOA <laughs> special, but you got the WLW one out there. We're still yeah. sitting on that footage. Yeah, it's a nice job, by the way. Oh, yeah, it was. Thank you. Really good. And I've learned about the sister transmitter of that that was built for WJZ, but the FCC cut back the 500 kilowatts and said only 50,000. So that transmitter ended up going over to England just before the war. And uh, that was buried in a bunker about 50 feet below ground. And that ran for all sorts of uh, black black propaganda and all sorts of you know weird stuff and there were two modifications that rca made on the transmitter one is that it had to be tunable from 500 kilohertz to 1.5 megahertz basically within a minute or so and the other it had to come out of standby in five milliseconds so one of the things they were doing is that when the bombers were going to germany when the local station would come off they would come right back up and take over and continue broadcasting the same content and then adding a few um, different instructions to the uh, people there. So it's, uh, there's some amazing history about that. Wow. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, me either. I, I'd never heard that story. Yeah. Um, and that was in operation until 1982. And apparently really? they also built a, built a solid state power supply for it. Wow. Cool. Kind of what got you started doing videos about amateur radio on YouTube? Um, <laughs> I was headed over to Beijing for one of the broadcasting shows, and on my way out the door, I kind of uh, grabbed my camera and uh, shot a bunch of stuff around the ham shack. And then one night, uh, when I was you know wide awake at three o'clock in the morning, I plugged the camera into the uh, laptop with a FireWire card, and Media Maker popped up. So, would you like to? Uh, ingest your your content so it sucked in and i put together about a two three minute uh, piece about my ham shack tour and immediately started getting hundreds of views so then i started doing the uh, videos of me operating but it's when i started doing the videos of how to do things especially getting on psk and some of the satellite stuff that the uh, that it just took off so you know hams like to see hams doing things and you know the little project stuff and you know how to learn and you know learn something new and try a new a new mode and such so that's uh, kind of how it started yeah just uh you just kind of threw it out there and i i don't guess you really expected how many views you were going to get when you first oh, did it no yeah. <laughs> what would be the so most it's... popular video that you've done randy the in terms of views the most popular one is I took a series of QSL cards and edited them to the Navy Anthem. Uh, and that, I think, has just over 200,000 views. Uh, wow. The wow. Getting on PSK31, I just checked the other day, is over 170,000 views. Uh-huh. Wow. So a wow. lot of guys have gotten on uh, on uh, on. Uh, 
on uh, PSK from watching uh, the videos. And I just posted a new one this week about using an iPad and just placing the iPad near the radio and using the iPad's microphone by the radio speaker and uh, also receiving PSK. And I've gotten many uh, requests to do a transmitting version of that, which I plan on doing. Yeah, that, that'll that be interesting. You know, I've done the uh, receiving PSK with uh, iPad before, but mm-hmm. I've, I haven't done the transmitting. I didn't build the cable up and never got mm-hmm. that far with it. Have you actually tried it yet, or is that uh, a work no. in progress? Yeah, I have to... I um, have to, you know, put a cable together and uh, and try that out. I've ordered a little keyboard so I have something to type on besides the screen. But then the other thing I've been playing with is two meter FM slow scan television. And there's a mm-hmm. net in Sacramento that gets on Wednesday nights, and I've been on there twice now. And uh, there's like six, seven guys get on, and they go for two, three hours, you know, sending pictures. So I've actually built up. A little SSTV camera. This is from Argent Data, and I put it in an Altoids box here. And this, I have a, a cable that plugs into an HT, and uh, I plug it into my Icom V80, and uh, you know, take the lens cap off here. And the red button is a. It's not a PTT. It's a PTTP. So it's push to take picture button, <laughs> and. Uh, and I also use another HD to receive the pictures on an iPhone or an iPad, as well as transmitting SSTV pictures from the camera in the iPhone or the iPad. So now, something I've been playing on. So there'll probably be some videos uh, about this soon. I guess putting that thing in the Altoids ten just just really upped the credibility there, didn't it? <laughs> I actually saw a picture, I think, on Google Plus of his uh, Outdoors yeah. 10 collection. He, I think he could probably spare one or two of them. <laughs> I've got a collection. Yeah, I think too. I spelled out my call sign in the driveway with them. <laughs> oh, wow. Out of interest, uh, Randy, what, um, when you're transmitting SSTV on two meters, what uh, particular method are you using? Are you using Scotty One or what uh, particular format? Um, that little camera supports Scotty 1 and 2 and Robot 36 and 72. Um, mm-hmm. The iPhone and iPad app uh, has a whole series of different uh, modes. But typically here, you know, Scotty and uh, I forget which one is the 70-second versus the one that's closer to two minutes. I did notice, you know, one night when I was playing around here, uh, doing a lot of testing in the shack with the V80 that the antenna actually got warm at 5 watts. So uh, mm-hmm. you got to kind of watch out wow. your duty cycle with this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw you did another video there on uh, uh, just recently on uh, homemade quarter wave antennas. And I've I pulled out my slide rule here and uh, I'm ready to follow along. And, you know. Yeah, well, I have it here. And you know, like I was mentioning during the setup, you know, I've been had cataract surgery so you know i don't know have glasses that work but this is the pair that seems to work when i use the slide rule here so look at it with this and now i'm you know able to read it Uh, there is no connector they run off solar (laughs) solar yeah there's no batteries there's no no red button so um, so i always try and put something at the end of the videos to kind of entice people to watch all the way through to the end and a lot of times it's bloopers but this this last time i just you know, I had the. You know, I bought this a couple of weeks ago from a guy, so I thought, eh, let me see if I can figure out the length here with a slide rule. So, yeah, I've, I did. I've 
practically forgotten how to use mine. It's been so long. I noticed you had a, a duck on the credits at the end of it, too. Is there a money slot in that duck like we see on some other shows? Or is... No, 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 no. It's just you know, the rubber ducky. That's that's what the duck is about. You know, the it's rubber the mascot. Ah, yeah. The rubber ducky antenna. Does that one get hot? Um... <laughs> I don't know. It's probably roasted. <laughs> roasted, yeah. Well, what's next? What um, you you told us, uh, you know, transmitting with the iPad on PSK. Yeah. Uh, have you got any other thoughts or some other things that that you're wanting to do? Well, I've got to do another one. So, um, you know, my getting on two meter FM series. I used the Icom uh, V80. Which one's which here? That's that's this one here is the V80. Got a lot of leg here, and uh, I also had the ICOM dual band version. So I'm going to do a, a video and and show the comparison between the two. So that's, I got to work cool. work on that here uh, during the next month or so. So how many handy talkies do you have? I may have to buy another one to catch up. <laughs> um, I think I don't know. I posted a picture up on Google Plus before I got got the T70 there, and uh, I think it's about eight or ten. I even have. Uh, you know, this is an old classic here, a standard. Oh yeah, I actually, oh, yeah. you know, had one of these when I was in college. Five, uh, five channels, and uh, you know, this was the hot thing back then. Yeah, those the, were good to pick up girls. Yeah, they, <laughs> they serve as a nice. I don't def- think so. <laughs> a nice defensive weapon too. Yeah. Randy, why don't you hang around a while? We we got to. Uh, do a few more things here and take some videos and all, but uh, we're going to try to have a little chat room session at the end here, and uh, we'd like you, if you can, just to hang around a little bit, and we'll get you back in here, and I'm sure there's some folks out there that got some questions for you. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Thanks again for being with us, and uh, you know, Randy, he's been doing this as long as we have, Tommy, and I'm sure he's got a lot of war stories that you know, we'll get together and compare off-camera here. Yeah. and it, We've probably already done a few of them. Oh, yeah. I've been watching his videos since we got started myself, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thanks for having me on. It's been, it's been great fun tonight. Well, thanks, Randy, and uh, we'll get you back here in just a few minutes after we do a few other things here. And, uh, okay. boy, what a body of work there. And, if you, you know, if you haven't checked them out yet, uh, go to YouTube do a search for K7AGE, and you'll find yeah. more stuff than you can watch in one setting. Let's talk about a couple of things. You know, we had an ad by Gigaparts earlier. Tommy, you and I were just at Gigaparts. Yeah, they had a ham radio day. That was a lot of fun. That that was a lot of fun, and we shot a lot of good video over there. And when it, We're not going to play any of that in this show, but when it, can you know the viewers check that you should, out? You should see that uh, posted in about two weeks. About two weeks, yeah. yeah. Uh, around the 30th, then, mm-hmm. or the 31st. Well, we do have one little tidbit here, though, from uh, from that adventure. And you don't remember that no. guy? What, the no, one in the sweater? Peter, the one that was there just a yeah, ago. I don't either. He's just always sneaking in. <laughs> but um, who was it Mike that captured this? Somebody yeah. captured yeah, this that, off the... Yeah, that had to be Mike. Yeah, off the W5KUB uh, live web stream <laughs> they had going over at Gigaparts. He captioned it uh, 
quite appropriately there. I don't remember the exact wording of it, uh, but it was something about uh, Tom and Tommy having a slap down over a Hall PR uh, 22 microphone there. You can see they both have a death grip on it. Tommy was not given given an inch. I wasn't giving it up. And that was actually my mic in there. You can see. Uh, fingerprints on it now they gripped it and deformed the metal a little bit what we were doing was try i was trying to interview him and i was trying to use his mic and our mic and point and look at our camera and his camera and it was just kind of yeah so yeah we had to kind of start that over a couple of times a couple of times um boy they, they got twisted up in the cabling and were rolling around on the ground it was something to see When it comes to antenna analyzers, no one knows more or has more options than MFJ. The new MFJ223 breaks the size barrier for RF analyzers by delivering user-friendly convenience, top-notch accuracy, and a vivid TFT multicolor display in an ultra-compact package. Although small in size, the MFJ223 is loaded with a great selection of single-frequency and swept-frequency VNA functions. Use the single-frequency mode to view standing wave ratio, resistance, reactance, and local interference level simultaneously on a high-resolution analog bar graph display. High accuracy numerical values for SWR, resistance, reactance, and impedance magnitude appear on the same display. This mode also allows you to use the analyzer as a precision signal generator. Use the scan frequency mode to graphically plot SWR, resistance, reactance, and impedance. All four plots are captured as a sequence of sharply defined color graphics. Simply toggle through each screen for the complete visual analysis. A tunable marker on each screen calls up precise numerical values for SWR, resistance, reactance, and impedance at any point along the plot. And there's internal memory. Turn off the unit and the last measurement will be there when you turn it on again. The MFJ223 is continuously tunable from 0.5 to 60 MHz with 100 Hz resolution and a wide range of tuning steps and scan widths for shaping your plots. The advanced DDS stimulus generator delivers rock-solid stability, smooth skip-free tuning, and a powerful plus 5 dBm test signal that overrides most strong local interference. There's even a built-in fill strength indicator to warn when high interference levels are present. And you can forget about swapping out dead batteries. The unit's long-running lithium polymer power source is built right in. Simply connect to any available USB port on your computer or USB wall charger to recharge. Learn more about the MFJ223 Vector Impedance Antenna Analyzer by visiting mfjenterprises.com today. You know, Tommy, that is a nice analyzer. I meant to bring it back here and have it on the desk tonight to let you look at it. Yeah, that's cool. I love the display on it. Yeah, tiny little thing. And now I'm not sure which one I like the best. They've got three analyzers that, uh, well, actually I've looked at four or five recently, but there's three that really tickled my fancy, and that one Uh just made itself onto the list. Oh, yeah, man, they, they got a really broad range of antenna analyzers now. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Yeah. I'm, very, I'm very impressed with the design of that. That is, they've really gone up a notch with that that particular product. Yeah, they they still make a lot of different uh, designs. They've still got you know uh, new designs based on the older ones, plus these these new ones that they've just come out with the graphic ones. And you know each has got its place. Uh, some do particular tasks better than others, but they all will measure your antenna. Uh, hands down no mm-hmm. no problems at all you used one uh, here just this past 
past week, I guess, didn't yeah. you, Tommy? Yeah, I did for my segment. Yeah. It's a 269. Oh, you got you can go UHF then. Yeah. Well, and I used this on my making the quarter wave ground plane antenna. I, I show, you know, going across the whole two meter uh, uh, spectrum and, uh, you know, it was under, I think, 1.5. So basically just cut the antenna and it works. This kit is relatively easy to build. And I'm absolutely sure that many, many of you out there will want to build this because it's not only a great kit to build, it's very, very practical and it will save you literally hundreds of dollars. So here we go. Let's get straight into it this month. You're down the beach and you want to find coins, uh, rings and other metal objects. Your coin detector, however, doesn't work well in wet sand. That's because it uses VLF or very low frequency. What you need is what we call a pulse induction metal detector, which works kind of a little bit like radar. We won't go into the, the technical side of it today, but suffice to say, it sends out pulses that create uh, short-term magnetic fields which decay, and then the circuitry measures the rate of decay. If there's a metal object nearby, the rate of decay will be altered. So uh, a pulse induction metal detector, bought new, can easily cost you in excess of $800 US. Ouch! What do you do? Well, the good news is uh, you can actually buy a kit from the UK, which will cost you about $60 US to build your own pulse induction metal detector. How cool is that? And I have, and this is it. Let me just show you. There we go. And there's my coil at the end. Let's switch it on and give it a try. 50 cent coin. So basically, you just, like most metal detectors, you just sweep it across the ground. If there's something metal, it'll bleep at you. Now you say, Peter, that's great. I want to build one of those. And I'm sure many of you out there will want to build one of these. But I know deep down that you want more. And so I'm going to give you more this month. Another thing that you can do when you're down the beach is that, let's say you've found what you think might be a coin buried in the soil. You could just dig it out with your fingers, but that's not good. You could prick your fingers on a needle, and that actually happened to me a couple of years ago, uh, and I ended up having about two years' worth of medical tests thereafter, which was not very pleasant. It's best to avoid that, and one way to, to do that is to use a pinpointer, which is kind of like a little portable handheld metal detector. Once you've worked out that there's something metal in the sand, you poke the uh, pinpointer into the sand and move it around, and when it gets near to something metal, it'll bleep at you. Really, really good. Trouble is, they too are expensive and can easily cost you more than $160. So, what I've done is I've taken this basic circuitry and put a switch in, and I've got a coil in a piece of PVC tubing, and this is what happens. It's sensitive to metal. So using the one piece of circuitry for my pulse induction metal detector, I can have the best of both worlds. I've got a pulse induction metal detector and a pinpointer as well with just the flick of a switch. So let's show you how to build this. 
Let's talk about the circuit board now. The kit come or provides you with the circuit board and all the components that go on it, as well as a couple of potentiometers and a bit of uh, wiring as well. The main body of your metal detector, the coil housing and the coil, you've got to find the parts for those yourself and build them yourself. Now, what I recommend you do is, first of all, get yourself a power supply, or rather some batteries, uh, shall we say eight one half volt AAA batteries and a holder. You run that power through a 400 milliamp 12 volt fuse. And the reason you do that is it's better to burn out a fuse than it is to burn out any of these components. Start at this end and progressively put in a couple of components at a time. There are four electrolytics here, two of which have got the positive and negative leads going in a particular direction, and the third goes in the opposite direction. So look for the stripe down the side, which signifies the negative pole of the electrolytic, and make sure you put each electrolytic in its proper place. Now these two go one way, and this one goes the other way. So be doubly careful about that. Also make sure all your sockets and your ICs are put in the right way. Put in a couple of components, apply some power if things start to heat up or you blow out your fuse, go back, look for solder bridges or, or, uh, and or components that are put in the wrong way and then correct it. Keep doing that until you put all your components in, wire up your um, uh, your two potentiometers, build your coil, attach that as well, which and they get it that gets attached here, and then basically um, all you need to do is two uh, little things for tuning. The first is that uh, you get a multimeter. Your negative lead goes here, positive lead to pin six of this IC, and you alter this potentiometer for zero volts. Once you've done that, attach a coil, and then uh, we're using a coin, alter this potentiometer for maximum sensitivity of the coil. The main construction of the metal detector is pretty much up to you. The rule of thumbs are that, first of all, you've got to use something non-conductive, otherwise it'll interfere with the operation of the metal detector. And the other thing, the other main consideration is you've got to get all the weight under your arm because you don't want to be swinging a lot of weight around uh, whilst you're, you know, swinging your metal detector from side to side. So what I've done here is I've used some big pieces of PVC tubing, big piece to hold the main circuit board and the switches, etc. A couple of clamps to hold my pin pointer at the bottom. I've got a piece of uh, of pipe which I've cut in half and uh, put a bolt in there and that's what's uh, holding my armrest and then I've got some uh, more PVC here with some angled pieces or angled connectors for PVC this uh, creates a piece of PVC at an angle for me to actually hold uh, when I'm swinging my uh, metal detector back and forth and then another angled piece and the piece of PVC going down to uh, the T-connector which holds my coil. And that's really it. Um, as I said, uh, I've got a switch to switch between the pin pointer and the coil at the end of my uh, metal detector. But, uh, you know, it uh, it's a relatively simple 
circuit to build, just make sure you get your components in the uh, in the right way the first time, and then you won't have to do what I did was, uh, which is uh, resold a whole lot of components in. And what you find is that uh, you can easily rip up the uh, copper traces off the bottom of your circuit board and you end up having to do little fixes like I've done here. This is how I've built my coil. 22 turns of 0.81 millimeter enameled copper wire uh, arranged in a circle about eight and a half inches in diameter and then in turn with a little bit of tape uh, holding it all in place. This is all put inside this plastic gardening container, which I found down my local uh, hardware store. And uh, a bit of circular craftwood uh, holds that in place. To hold this to the metal detector, I've used this plastic bolt, which is normally used to hold toilet seats. So uh, this, this works quite well. And I've got a T-piece of uh, PVC to connect that in turn through to the main metal detector. Let's now look at how my pinpointer is put together. An ordinary ferrite rod with a couple of pieces of cardboard uh, wrapped around it, which has been taped, then 50 turns of 0.81 millimeter enameled copper wire. That in turn goes inside a piece of PVC tubing with a couple of caps at either end to keep it waterproof. bottled hop So, Peter, tell the truth now. Did you bury that treasure so you could find it, or did you actually find some treasure? <laughs> I actually buried it because I was not finding much, much in the way of coins on that particular beach. But the bottle tops I certainly didn't uh, bury. But I have actually found on other beaches using that same detector, um, for example, a, what was it, 19, I think it's 1917 uh, penny, which was uh, pretty impressive. Wow. It's quite corroded. I have to. I used electrolysis to actually remove the um, the, the crud on the outside, 
Um, I just want to point out a couple of things, though, just very quickly. Um, first of all, there is a, a piezo, which is where the sound comes from with that particular build. I mounted it on the outside of uh, the case. If you put it on the inside, it muffles the sound a bit. So if you're building it, you could have a bit of an issue there. But uh, look, it's a great project, and I really encourage people to, uh, to go and do it. Um, I had a lot of fun making it, and it's a lot of fun hunting around for coins. And one of these days, I'll find a nice big ring, which would be great. Yeah, that'll pay for it right there. That was really cool. I like that. Uh, a headphone jack would probably be a cool option for it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We'll add that in later. Yep. Yeah. I, I kind of remember one on Gilligan's Island, the, the professor did. Made out of bamboo? Coconuts. Yeah, bamboo Bam and coconuts <laughs> or something like that. I don't expect he found much either, Peter. But, it, you know, I guess if you hit the right place, you could really come up with some stuff. Oh, yeah, there's lots of videos. If you go to YouTube, you'll see lots of videos of um, people uh, detecting on beaches. And uh, there's actually a bit of a science to it about knowing which parts of the beach uh, to look at. And particularly, uh, there's been a big storm. Apparently, it washes away some of the sand, and you're more likely to find rings and coins and things uh, after, immediately after. Cool. Yeah. It seems pretty sensitive. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It'll, it'll detect, um, pulse induction metal detectors like that will detect to, say, about 30 centimetres or up to 30 centimetres de depending on the, um, the size of the metal and the particular type of the metal, uh, which is, that's pretty good. I had, had a coin detector before and it could only do half that distance. 30 centimetres, that's about 20 feet in at time. <laughs> it's about like that. Uh, it's 12 inches. 12 inches, okay. <laughs> Yep. Here. Oh, yeah. Pull out the old yardstick there. I knew that thing would be good for some. <laughs> well, you know, Icon's got a new rig out there right now that um, looks pretty nice. You know, I'm, I was supposed to be up there uh, this next week. That trip got postponed, but I'm going to be up there before long and get a hands-on with that thing. Yeah, that thing looks pretty sweet. Yeah. I've been kind of drooling over the pictures. Last year, ICOM introduced the IC7100 touchscreen mobile to rave reviews. Now, ICOM's doing it again, taking innovation and mobility to the next level. This time, they're announcing the new ID5100A, a VHF-UHF dual-band digital transceiver. ICOM's mobile radio features a large responsive 5.5-inch touchscreen with software keypad and independent main dials, volume, and squelch for A and B bands. The ID5100A also includes an integrated GPS receiver, position, course, speed, and altitude are displayed. The GPS antenna is located in the remote head, so no external GPS antenna is required. And there's a great DV and FM analog repeater list function that uses the GPS position info to display repeaters near you. The dual-band receiver offers VHF-UHF, VHF-VHF, and UHF-UHF simultaneous receive capabilities. Digital functions include D-Star DV mode operation, dual-watch receivers, D-plus reflector linking, and enhanced DPRS. An optional Bluetooth unit supports headsets for hands-free communications. And there's the free RSMS1A Android app available for download on Google Play that offers a number of useful remote features. The ID5100A has 50 watts output power for both VHF and UHF. An SD card slot for recording and playing back QSOs, CS5100 cloning software, and much more. 
more. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM's ID5100A D-Star Mobile. And that does look like quite the rig, and like I say, I'm going to be getting hands on it. Probably do a video on it, too, and we might even have a shootout, Tommy, between that, that would, and year 2820. That would be a good one for a shootout. I, I think it would. Well, Peter, you know, we, uh, Tommy and I, Felt like exacting a little revenge tonight, and, and we sent you a care package. I, I just wanted to give you a heads up so you could be kind of preparing things there for your delicious <laughs> southern meal. <laughs> that's a, that's well, my I evil have laugh. To here for a minute. <clears throat> uh, basically, I'll show you what uh, the guys have sent me. This yeah. is grits. I've never had grits before, so that apparently comes in original butter, cheddar cheese, and country bacon. We've got uh, sachets of each of them uh, in here. They've also sent me, um, what we got here? Uh, original, uh, Tony Cacera's original Creole seasoning. Sacheries. Uh, <laughs> however, <laughs> so that's there. And some stage plates. I believe they sent me something else, but it's disappeared. I don't know if my kids have taken it or what. But, your, your kids um, may. Well, for today, I'm just going to try the grits. And the stage plants, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see how we go. So I'm going to disappear for a couple of minutes and uh, microwave that, and uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, chat amongst yourselves. I'll be back shortly. Okay. Well, that, this is going to be fun, Tommy. I still I don't feel like we're going to get complete revenge with grits. No. But, a, a, ni- a nice spoonful of that Tony Sacheries, though. Do you think that would do it? <laughs> no. <laughs> well. No. What, what have you been doing this month? What have you got to show us? And, you know, field days are right around the corner, and I've got some new gear that I haven't really had a chance to play with, so I took it out and tried it out and uh, see how my field day experience was going to be. So yeah. I thought I'd bring a few thousand of my closest friends along with me. Today's a Mississippi Cuso party, and I thought it'd be a great time to test out some of my gear I've got for field day. It's March, and field day's only a few months away, so I thought I'd get the, uh, the MFJ Big Ear out and put that together. If you watch the Dayton show from last year, you'll see that I got a foldable solar panel from there. And I actually really haven't had much of a chance to use it. So I'm going to put that together today and we're going to go over it really close. And I'm going to set my radio up here and we're going to see if we can make a few contacts for the QSO party today. First of all, let's get the antenna put together. I've already got the tripod for it set up here. It's pretty easy to set up. The antenna, I'm, I'm really excited about trying this out. There's only a few parts of it, as you can see. Got the two radials, the coil, and then the, uh, the base of it, I guess you would call it, that ties it all together and attaches it to the mount. So let's uh, get started. We don't have a lot of time. First of all, we'll put the base on the mast so we can attach the other items without them hitting the ground. It's a little breezy out here today, so this is going to be an interesting experiment. difficult to see because the sun's over there but 
I brought my MFJ 259B antenna analyzer and I checked it and I actually decided to go ahead and try for 20 meters first and I got the antenna tuned up and checked it with my meter here and we're good to go. The radio is set up. Now let's get the battery set up. Like usual, I ran off without some tools, so I'm going to have to rely on the old Leatherman here. I'm going to up the solar panel now. I'm kind of excited to try this out. I got this one at Dayton last year, like I said. Uh, it's a 60-watt panel, and uh, as far as I know, that's the only place that you can get them at a kind of at a discount they do sell off amazon.com and i think they have some dealers probably as well but they take a bunch of these at uh, to the ham fest for guys like us and usually the only thing that's wrong with them is something with the stitching or something minor i don't think there's anything electrically wrong with any of them so check them out if you go to dayton this year um, they're pretty cool stuff they got a lot of different sizes different types and everything but anyway let's take a look at it it's got a connector on it, a generic connector. It's almost like the one that hooks up your headlight to your car. But uh, anyway, it, the, it also comes with a lot of adapters to connect to it. So we've got a, a regulator, charging controller rather, that will hook up to keep it from overcharging our battery and for the, keep the voltage from flowing backwards into the solar panel, I'm sure. But it has that same connector. We'll hook that up. And then to hook it up to my battery, th today I'm going to use this one. It, it comes, it's got one that's got uh, huge alligator clips. And then that hooks up to the other side of the controller. And that's what will actually charge the battery. I also have one that's got Anderson power poles on it. And if I was smart, I would have made myself a nice adapter to hook it up to the battery with some little ring uh, terminal connectors and things like that. But probably by field day, I'll have something like that made. And then it also has a cigarette lighter adapter, so you could plug your cell phone charger, uh, car charger, right into that and right into the panel and not have to have a battery and uh, charge from that. So that, that's really cool stuff. Let's get it hooked up. The connectors have uh, male and female, so it's kind of hard to get them messed up. So it just hooks up easily, like so. And we'll, let's spread this out. Let's hook up the cable that goes to the battery. Okay, and I need to slide it over into the sun just a little better. Get my nice little disposable voltmeter from uh, I got from the Jackson Ham Fest several years ago. I keep this one in the back of my, in, under the seat of my truck. That way if something happens to it, my good one's not really lost. The solar panel's all hooked up. Let's go ahead and put the clips on the battery. As soon as we do, you should see the voltage start to climb. 12.3, 12.4, 12.5, and it's going to climb its way all the way up to 14 volts. That way we got a good charge going in while we try to operate. Hopefully it'll maintain. According to the voltmeter on my radio, it's showing 14 volts right now. So it's charging nicely. I'm going to try running on high power a little while and see how that works out. So I'll check back in with you in a minute.
CQCQ, November 5, Zulu, November Oscar. Band doesn't seem to be in the best condition today. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I've been out here about three hours. That's about all the time I could spare today, unfortunately. But I got to try out all my gear. I love the big gear antenna from MFJ. That thing is awesome. It's so easy to set up. Um, I had some problem because of the wind. And so I let it down to, to make it more stable. I just didn't want it to flip over on me. And it's held up really well. As far as the solar panel, I, I couldn't be happier with that either. That thing is great. Just a note, if you want to get the most out of your solar panel, kind of angle it so the sun's rays hit it directly and you'll get the most voltage out of it. A little note, if you use a solar panel, be sure to have a good charge controller on there. So you, if you've got a small battery, kind of, mine's considered fairly small. And if you've got a small battery, you don't want to overcharge it and fry your battery. That charge controller is going to help you, your battery have a good life. Um, if you don't use one, make sure you got a load on it because that 60 watt panel pumps out quite a bit of current to keep the battery charged and can easily overcharge it. But uh, it's, it's great stuff. Again, they'll be at Dayton this year. Go check out their booth. It's uh, Powerfilm is the brand name and you can get some more information on the website right here. Anyway, this stuff's great. I'm going to have it all packed up and ready for field day and hopefully I'll talk to some of you guys then. 73. Well, Tommy, you finally tried out that power film deal there. What do you think? That, that thing is great, man. Between that and the, and the $20 uh, battery I got from the Hamfest this year in Jackson, it, uh, I, I ran about three hours. And the bands weren't real good, so I didn't make as mm -hmm. quite as many contacts as I'd hoped, but I called CQ till I was blue in the face. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, I made, made about a dozen or so, and I, when I was packing up, uh, I wasn't thinking, and I left the solar panel hooked up to the battery for about 20 minutes uh, when I got finished. And I got home and checked the voltage in, and the battery was fully charged. Cool. So it, it's, it works really good. So I'm going to try it out at field day and just see exactly how long I can get out of it. Yeah. But I expect sure. I'll get most of the day. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We're going to try to do field day this year, aren't we? Yeah, well, that's the plan. That's of course, we plan. planned it last year. It didn't work out, yeah. but uh, we need to. Yeah, I was actually in NASA and couldn't break away for it myself. Yeah, well, you know, you got to go where you need it. Yeah, I reckon so. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go to this next segment here, I'm just thinking about it now, so I want to mention it. You see these stylish T-shirts that Tommy and I are wearing here. <laughs> you can get these at. Go, Peter. You're Yo, looking good. You're yeah. looking good today, Peter. The Peter's got, yeah. is that the jacket or sweatshirt? Yeah. Is that the sweatshirt, Peter? Yeah, uh, yes, this, this is the sweatshirt. That's okay. right. Yeah, it looks no, good. Long sleeves. If you want one, go to, uh, is it amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. There's yeah. also a link on our webpage. Yeah, and, and we've got other stuff in there, too, besides just the T-shirts. Um, we've got... Uh, Nice little jackets and uh, yeah, there's a, some caps. There's quite a few things. I'm actually in the process of putting some uh, golf shirts on, so probably by the time you see this show or, or shortly after, there'll be some new golf shirts out there. Yeah. So. 
Well, it looks like Peter is raring to go here, and Tommy, it is it is time for the Vegemite Revenge. Has he already ate all of the grits? I don't know. He's licking his lips No, 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 no. I've prepared it per the instructions, microwaved it. I've used water. Um, you can use, apparently, milk, half a cup of water with a sachet. Uh, and, no, I've never, ever tried any of this before. So um looks like basically a corn porridge, so let's give it a try. And this is grits, by the way, for, for you Yankees who may not have tried this. We're fixing to get an opinion from an Australian on good southern grits. It's not grits. bad, actually. So which one this did you a, do? The, did you do? This, this is basically this is basically like eating porridge. So, so is this not the, bad at all. the cheese or the original, or, or what flavor did you choose? Oh, this is the butter. No, the butter. butter. And, okay. Um, yeah, it's not bad at all. Mm. Yeah, some some Yankees will put sugar on their grits, but that's just yeah. a blasphemy. Yeah, you know. I I figured he would like them, but I'm a little bit disappointed. It's not much of a revenge. No, it's not a revenge at all. <laughs> he seems to be enjoying it. <laughs> Randy, well, have you ever had grits before? Uh, no. Never had no. grits. No. Uh, you, you don't sound like you're. Like Peter's convincing you. This is good. Mm. Now, I think I stayed away from those during my visits uh, to the South. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's a delicacy. Uh, of course, it's good. Mm. Peter's just um, just trying the instant grits here. Um, that you know, you can yeah. buy them that aren't instant. Yeah. It takes just a little bit longer to cook. I don't. I've gotten used to the instant ones now, and I actually prefer them over the... Oh, he's already into the stage planks. Okay. Look at the stage planks. Yeah. Now, this uh, this yeah. is no Tim Tam. Mm. Not bad. We used to get um, those a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. It's a bit like uh, Pepinoten, which is a Dutch delicacy, of course. Hi to all my Dutch friends. Um, or Speculas. It's... Uh, I'm trying to think what the flavor is. What would you call the flavor of these things, Tommy? Uh, it's kind of like a gingerbread type thing, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's exactly the word I was looking for. Yeah, with a little icing, you know, a little icing. With a little bit of um, icing on top. Mm-hmm. Quite nice. Very, very nice. Yeah, they're good. So no revenge for you guys, I'm afraid. This and, is all uh, good. The, the, the Tony Sacheries that we sent you, that's a seasoning. So you sprinkle it on things like, you know, like the gumbo I sent you the recipe for? It'd be excellent oh, yes, with that. I made the gumbo. Yeah, and uh, different things. So just try it on different things. You see it on the instructions. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, apparently your kids got a hold of the moon pies, and you're not going to get to try those. Mm. Yeah, the moon pies. Uh, Yeah, they're they're pretty (laughs) good too. Man, he's doing just like we did with the Vegemite. Look at there. Look at. I'm not. I taste butter. You didn't cut. You didn't put any on there. You need to get a quarter. <laughs> uh, he's just eating. <laughs> yep. All good. So, oh, well, gee, that's got a bit of a kick to it. Mm. But um, you yeah, know, all good stuff. What? What did you just it's taste? A bit of chili in that, or something. Oh, so quite oh. hot actually. Yeah. These, this, yeah, it's mm. it's salty and kind of spicy. Yeah, no, not bad though. Not bad. Yeah, just got to use it a little bit sparingly, I suspect, because uh, right. otherwise <laughs> you'll burn your mouth. 
Yeah, yeah thanks so much for sending this, uh, guys. It's all good, uh, good tucker, as we say in Australia. Mm. Good what? Good tucker. Put that in my tucker bag. Ah. That means it's uh, good eating. Okay. Or as the Dutch say, is lekker eater. So, yum. Hmm. Mm. I told all you good. we should have sent chitlins. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's, I'm not sure they'll let you import stuff like that. Yeah, they probably won't. You shouldn't have it here either. Yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't. I, I don't. <laughs> Not me either. Yeah. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the show tonight, despite all the technical difficulties that we eventually got through. Yeah, and it was fun anyway. It was fun anyway. There's a lot of you in there in the chat room, and we're going to take a few minutes here just to kind of see if anybody's got any questions for any of us or for randy we still got randy here with us and uh tommy let's just kind of look in there and see uh one for peter peter did you ever try biscuits and buttermilk not cats uh, i've tried i've had buttermilk but uh, uh not the two together sorry have you ever had biscuits um well, we have biscuits, so all kinds of biscuits down here well, in Australia. Well, here, biscuits. Here, biscuit is uh, bread. Usually, it's it's in a little round, uh, like a little cylinder thing, about that high, um, no, and no, it's no, kind no. of white, biscuits fluffy. Over here. Huh? No, biscuits are you know, uh, was it basically? It's more like a made with flour and butter and. You know, it's like mini cakes, I suppose you would call it. Oh, well, here it's um, not sweet. Th- well, this is, this would be called a biscuit in Australia. Yeah, this, um Stage plate. Yeah. Cookie, yeah. Cookie, that's the equivalent term in uh, in America, I think. Right, we have biscuits. Uh, obviously, it has different meaning in the US. Oh, you do have biscuits, Randy? <laughs> oh, yeah, my wife. Yeah, my wife's British, so, you know. Do you, do you have biscuits a, and such? American biscuits or British biscuits? Uh, both. I like biscuits and gravy. That's, you know, good breakfast for you. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. A question here for Randy. What torch do you recommend for scavenging uh, components from scrap? (laughs) Well, I have another version here that I'm probably going to do one of these days. I've I've watched these videos where the guys take the Fennel lenses out of the big old HT rear projection sets and focus the sun through there. So my brother-in-law was driving down the street in LA one day and uh, saw an old junker set sitting by the curb. So he pulled over and his wife says, what are you doing? He says, I'm taking the front of the TV apart for Randy. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever, um, on an old CRT, flipped it over and when you're going to throw it away, flip over the back and pull off the cap with the pins there and break the little seal on no. the rear to discharge it? No, I've never done that. No. Boy, you've seen the uh, Hunt's, I believe it was Hunt's ketchup commercials long ago where they sucked a tomato down into a bottle yeah. with a vacuum. It's one heck of a vacuum on a CRT. Huh. It uh, it really yeah. makes a big sucking sound. Um, I'm not seeing any other questions in here right now. Uh, people are commenting about biscuits and strawberries and yeah, fried. Yeah, making me hungry. For Arnie's talking about fried green tomatoes, and, uh, you know, he's Swedish. Yeah, you're talking my language there, Arnie. Yeah, but we, we've kind of adopted him down here. He's been here long enough. He's oh, honorary. Yeah, yeah we, we actually saw him out at Gigaparts 
uh, ham radio day also. We see him about everywhere we go. Yeah. I got another question here from uh, our friend Mike, VE3MIC, and he says, ever discharge a P2 anode connector on a large CRT? Yes, but don't do it with your tongue. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You you take a, and I shouldn't tell how to do this, so don't do this, but you take a clip lead and you connect it to the chassis or ground and the... uh, the TV set or whatever, you put a screwdriver on the other end of it and you slip it under that cover and hit that anode, it makes one heck of a spark. But it, it can kill you. Even I'll if the TV has been to, off, it can still I? kill Sorry. you. Uh, because those things are stored charge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, just because you unplug the TV from the wall doesn't mean anything uh, a CRT is a, a dangerous thing. Another one here from Sean. He's asking, what is the best two-meter single sideband antenna? And I'm going to say that's probably a Yagi uh, mounted horizontally. I don't, Randy, I'm going to ask you on that one. What would you say is the best two-meter single sideband antenna? I guess it depends what you're going to be doing. You know, uh, If you're portable work, something like an arrow or an elk, but if you're looking for, you know, some long distance, uh, you probably want some type of long boom, uh, you know, you know, Yagi antenna. So they're available from all the manufacturers. So I guess it kind of depends what you want to do. Yeah, I, I think most guys around here running a two-meter sideband are running it horizontally polarized. Uh-huh. And while that yeah, won't really matter on HF so much, it will on two meters. Yeah. So, um You'd want to check into that. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't get a chance to run two meters sideband. I've hardly ever run that because I don't have a horizontal antenna. Yeah, you know, uh, I had bought my first radio because it had that on it, thinking I'd use it, and mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone on it. Never. You guys. I don't think by, so. by the way, one thing you all of you have over in the U.S. that we don't have in Australia is, I believe you've got a, a band that's situated halfway between. Uh, the two meter band and the seventy centimeter band. It's about two hundred megs, I believe. Do you guys ever use that at all? Not here, uh, Randy. You've used it, hadn't you? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. We use it, it a lot up here in Northern uh, California because um, I live fairly close to Sacramento, which is where Beale Air Force Base is located, and they have a big over-the-horizon radar that runs on four hundred and some megs. So, a couple years ago, they basically shut down all the 450 repeaters in this area so you know um, and what I have is one of the um, uh, yeah it's one of the was Oshans or Waxons or however you pronounce it but this is a 2 meter 220 HT so this is what we call a Northern California dual band (laughs) (laughs) yeah the only 2 meter or 220 band I know around here are used for like links on repeaters to where uh, the guys didn't want to buy a set of duplexers, so they've got their receive antenna at one location and their transmit antenna somewhere else, and they link those together over 220. Yeah, I had a radio that had that on. I used it at Dayton. That's the only time I ever used really? it. Just yeah, it'd be no. private there. Yeah. yeah. I noticed uh, David and some folks uh, in the chat room are saying the M-squared antennas for a two-meter single side. And, yeah, I think M squared sure. makes some, some mm-hmm. really good stuff. Yeah. yeah, I just thought I'd make a comment about test equipment. Yes. Um, back when I got started in all this back 
in the early 70s when I was in college, my mentor, my hand mentor back then, who he and I built a repeater, he said, invest in good test equipment. It'll last you your lifetime. So, you know, back in the 70s, I first picked up my Simpson, you know, 230 VOM and a bird watt meter. And those things still work great today, just as they did, you know, what, 40 years ago now. So, um, so it's nice to have some good gear in your shack, but it's handy too to have those $10 multimeters just thrown in your toolbox for the time you need it. And, you know, if it drops and breaks, <laughs> you just yeah. get another one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll second that. That is, uh, Having good test equipment's a great idea. Also, tools. My instructor told me in college that um, you, you know, tools are a good investment. Yeah. You know, you can't have too many. No. no. Especially if you're a ham. Well, I guess we'll we'll wrap it up at this point. We've been going uh, over quite a bit over an hour, I think. But uh, hey, we're having fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, Randy, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. It's been a lot of fun. We'll have to get you back in here again soon and find out what else you've been up to. Sure. It's been a lot of fun, and thanks for having me tonight. And it's, uh, I look forward to see what makes it through the editing room. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of it will because we're trying to cut down on the amount of editing yeah. that we do. But <laughs> let me ask you, Dayton, are you going to be at Dayton this year? Uh, no, I've uh, chosen not to go to Dayton this year, but I'm going to Hartford for the ARRL 100th uh, Centennial. So I will be there, um, travel in Wednesday. Um, yeah, Wednesday, I think there's uh, some, something going on Thursday, I think Contest University on Friday. So I will be there staying right at the Marriott, right there at the convention center. So really looking forward to that. That cool. sounds like fun. Yeah, we're going to have to. Well, I was going to say we'll have to do that one year, but yeah, I don't we'll, know that we'll be around for we'll, next. We'll have to do it <laughs> so in the once. next year. Yeah. yeah. So, like one time. Yeah. At the Bicentennial. Yeah. Well, Randy, thanks for being <laughs> here, man. It's great to see you again, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up before long somewhere along the road. Yeah, 73, we'll Randy. It's yeah. always good to talk to you. Okay, 73, Randy. fun. And thanks for having me again. All right. You're welcome. Yeah, Anytime. And Peter, um, any final parting comments here? Can you now that you've let them settle for a few minutes? How do you feel about grits? I think grits are great. It's uh, very much like porridge, and uh, being of partly Scottish descent, um, yep, I, I'm. It's it's really nice uh, to eat. Um, I, I just say to people out there, give it a try. Yeah. We wouldn't say that about Vegemite, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't think everybody should try it. Yeah, it everybody should try it. It, was, it wasn't that bad. No. And, and then then again, um, you know, that, this just wasn't a fair smackdown, Tommy. Yeah, no. Yeah. You, you may have another care package coming sooner yeah. or later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I might have to send a dangerous animal over. A dangerous animal, yeah. <laughs> well... Before we go, we just want to thank everyone for being here in the chat room. We've had a lot of fun having y'all with us tonight. Uh, I mentioned a couple other things. The Echo Link Net is generally on the third Monday 
of each month. I don't know if it'll be the third. It's but going to be the 21st. The 20, I know that. And you actually looked it up this time. Well, I actually see Dave in the chat room, and he said it's going to the 21st. So, so that's when it's going to be. So it's not March 17th like the lower third I forgot to update says. No, but yeah, don't pay any attention to that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's mention our, our social networking, too, Tommy. Where can people learn more about Amateur Logic? Well, we're on Facebook. We've got a pretty active Facebook group, for sure. Yeah, it's facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv. Yeah, we're also on Twitter, Twitter uh, at Amateur right. Logic. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. also on Google+. Plus. Yeah, and... Uh, and I can't really see I what the really URL is, but it's right there. <laughs> it's right there on the screen. And also the show note wiki, um, amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Our buddy Dan does that for us, does a good job yep. of, of posting the links and stuff that uh, we feed him, and occasionally we forget to feed him one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I usually go put my own show notes on, or the uh, code on there, but uh, Dan always does a great job on the wiki, and all, much appreciated, Dan, for sure. We've enjoyed everyone. We hope you'll be back here with us around the 15th of next month. We'll be posting when it's going to be. Uh, tell your, your mom and them <laughs> to tune in. We appreciate all the viewers we can get, and, and certainly we've been getting you know more and more as time goes on. Yeah, steady well. growing, so spread, keep spreading the word. And spread the love. Well, all right, Tommy. Thanks again. thanks again for Randy uh, coming on and... I hope maybe we can uh, also uh, get some other special guests in in the future. It's uh, really nice to have guests in that just add something to the show, and certainly Randy has today. Yeah. Okay, Tommy, I think it's time to wrap it up. Sing the theme song. All right, I'm going to wrap. you undo the honors there <laughs> the title for tonight is uh, a comedy of errors yeah so it's let's not see. that funny yeah roll it again let's see if we can figure out what's going on with audio okay you mean uh, not really okay right <laughs> no hi and welcome to another episode of amateurlogic.tv i'm george <laughs> I'm Tommy. <laughs> I'm Peter. Hey, why don't I say that again? Yeah. Hi, welcome to another episode of AmateurLogic.tv. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. And it's good to be back with you, boy. What a... Whoa, 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 whoa. That doesn't work. Well, Tommy, what's on your email stack over there? Yeah, I've got one. Um, I actually got one from... I got a half of one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want my copy? Yeah, I guess I do. What happened to the other half? <laughs> and actually, that link that uh, I showed a minute ago, that's really your link, Tommy. 
so. Yeah, well, actually, you don't have his name on here either. Well, what have you got on your email stack over here, Tommy? Well, I've got one from Gary, KG7EWE, rather. And Gary is, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>